Welcome to Married by Design. Do you find as a couple that you're able to resolve issues and actually come to a plan together so that you can work on improving your relationship and not face the same issues over and over? Or do you argue about things and never really see any significant long-term changes? That's what we'll be looking at on this episode of Married by Design. The Married by Design podcast is intended to encourage couples to enjoy all that God intends in their marriage relationship. Welcome back to Married by Design. We've been looking for some weeks at the method of resolving conflict. We spent quite a bit of time in the process of diffusing the argument and resolving the immediate issues so that you can get to a place to actually discuss things and move forward in your relationship. If you haven't had a chance to listen to those episodes, we would encourage you to go back and listen to each of those. The whole point is that you probably won't be able to accomplish what we're going to be talking about today until you've laid the groundwork that is needed to get to this point. Each of those steps is very important to develop unity as a couple and really understand issues thoroughly. That's right. It is very important and essential. And in this episode, we're looking at the idea of how to actually come to an agreement. Then, with that unity, to lay out a plan to address the issue that started the whole argument. As we get a look at the idea of unity in the marriage relationship, we need to understand how important that idea of unity is to God. When Jesus prayed for his followers in John 17, one of the things that he prayed for was unity. There was to be a oneness between the believers and God. I and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Note the connection that Jesus makes between the unity of the believers with each other and their unity with God. The unity of believers was to be an indication of who Christ is to his church. That's not the only place that the Bible talks about unity. We're going to be looking today particularly at the book of Philippians to develop the idea of unity. Paul writes that the Philippians should be standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That's verse 27. And Paul wrote in uh, Philippians 4.2, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, to help these women. Paul not only called to these two women to be united, but he also asked others in the church to help them live in unity. Unity is so important that Paul writes of the conflict in 1 Corinthians 6 that it was so destructive that it was better to give in and be wronged than to allow division between believers. Apply that to your marriage relationship. It is better for you to lose and do what your spouse wants than to live in disunity. Uh, that is powerful. Uh, unity is important to God, and it should be our priority in marriage. More than our own desires and opinions. Let me say this very clearly. Unity is more important than your personal preferences. Let me say it again for emphasis, okay? Be patient with me. Unity is more important than your personal preferences. Let me explain that. If, if you and your spouse argue about something that's clearly laid out in the Bible, you should not compromise on that. 
But apart from that, most every argument you have with your spouse relates to your personal preferences, opinions, and desires. Those are not in the Bible. Unity is more important than you getting your way or winning. Let me give you an example. If your spouse comes to you and says that they think that the two of you should go rob a bank, your answer should be no. It's clearly laid out in the Bible that it's wrong and there should be no compromise on that. Anything else, who takes out the trash, uh, your schedule, how you relate to your parents, probably isn't clearly addressed in the Bible and should be considered negotiable because you should have the priority of unity. That's right. In a Christian marriage, as with the church, disharmony and conflict are a poor testimony to the world. Your Your marriage relationship is to be a picture of the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church. If the husband and wife are not united, you are failing in that key purpose of your marriage. Can you honor the Lord or be the picture of your relationship with Christ and the church if you're living in conflict and constantly disagreeing? It does not demonstrate the ability that God gives to believers to live together or the reality that God's word is true and he gives us power um, to work together. Yes, uh, disunity in the marriage relationship can have a devastating impact on the family and friends that are witnessing the conflict, as well as on the children that see it on a daily basis. Right. We need to realize that as a husband and wife, we are on the same team. Most arguments start because we think that we are in opposition to each other, rather than seeing that God has put us together as one flesh. You are no longer two, but you are one, and so you have to work toward that oneness in the relationship. Paul called these, those two ladies to be united. It was something they had to work on. If you've ever watched any sports, you probably are not at all surprised that the people with the same colored jersey work together towards a common goal. You don't see linemen on a football team tackling their own quarterback. They won't achieve the goal of getting to the end zone unless they work together. That's right, and you will not achieve God's purposes for your marriage relationship until you see that you are on the same team and you decide to work hard at unity. So we want to spend some time looking in Philippians chapter 2. In verses 1 through 4, there are some key insights to understanding what unity looks like and how to achieve it. It starts off by saying, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. Paul's writing to the church, but the same principles apply to the husband and wife relationship. In verse 1, Paul lists out reasons that form the basis for unity. We should be united because of our encouragement in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we should be united because of the comfort we have from God's incredible love for us and from the love that we should have for each other. We should be united because of the work of the Spirit in each of our lives that should align our thinking and our purposes. And we should be united because of the great affection and sympathy that we have for each other. Right. And in verse 2, Paul talks about completing his joy by living in unity. What a powerful cause for joy in other people's lives when they see you as a husband and wife living in harmony. Then Paul lists out things that they are to do. Coming to a place of unity is not something that just happens. 
and I'll say it again, you arrive at a place of unity because you work towards it. You realize that unity is more important than getting your way, and you understand that you are on the same team. As a husband and wife, you must work toward being unified in your thinking and dealing with the issues. So the Apostle Paul describes aspects of this unity. He says first in verse 2 that they should be of the same mind. It means to think the same way. You work on thinking the same way by first lining up your thinking with God's Word. The more that the husband and wife know the Word and align their thinking with that truth, the more that they will naturally think alike. You tune two pianos to one master piano, and they will be in tune with each other. That means as you discuss issues, you bring in relevant verses from the Bible. True, and the second way that we think the same is through communication. What we have discussed of listening and speaking should lead you both to begin to really understand the other person's view and have it affect the way that you think. That's the goal. In listening, your goal has to be to truly understand your spouse and to really consider what they are saying. If you have a desire to be of the same mind, you'll take what you have learned from your spouse and allow it to shape and modify your own thoughts and beliefs. And then Paul writes, having the same love. It means to choose to care for the other's needs. If both of you have a love for the other, how can you be at odds? To put them first. Verse 4 says, let each of you look not only out for their own interests, but also for the interests of others. I take it that a mutual love between two people, two ladies in a church, or a husband and wife, leads them to unity. It leads them to agreement. The idea is that you love and care for your spouse so much that it's no longer about what you want or what you think. You are driven by a sacrificial love for your spouse that it's no longer about winning and getting what you want. And Paul wrote that we should give preference to one another in love. Doesn't that make reaching an agreement on an issue that used to cause conflict easy? When you love your spouse so much that you want what's best for them and for your marriage, you will be on the same page. And third, Paul writes that we should be united in spirit, literally one-souled. It means to be knit together in our desires, passions, and ambitions. The New American Standard says intent on one purpose. It's an aligning of the husband's and wife's purposes. The question is, what is our purpose? What is our desire as a couple? What is the passion that drives our decisions? What is our ambition as a couple? When you have different purposes and you are going in different directions in what you want to accomplish, you're setting yourselves up for conflict and disunity. If one person wants to pay off the house and the other spouse wants to give the money away, there will be conflict. If one feels it's important to discipline a child and focus on that and the other sees the need to express love primarily, there will be conflict. That's where communication comes in. You have to work through these conflicting purposes so that by talking, studying, compromise, you work towards a common purpose. Just one practical thing to do is for each of you to step back and answer the question, what is my purpose really related to this issue? What is my spouse's purpose in it? And how do we meld those different purposes together to reach a clear, unified purpose? Now it's time for our 15-second shameless plug. 
I have been involved in a nonprofit mentoring program called Crown Valley Youth Ranch in Woodlake. They offer a free mentorship program for youth ages 6 to 18. The program takes place on a beautiful 10-acre ranch, and they use horses, small animals, gardening, crafting, woodworking, and nature activities to encourage and speak love into children's lives. You can find out more about the program and how to be involved or sign up a child at the website crownvalleyyouthranch.org. And now back to the show. We need to look at the steps to get to a place of unity. We want to get really practical in giving you some steps and ideas to take into your marriage relationship to build unity and be of one mind. Well, first of all, it won't be easy. So our first piece of advice is to commit it before the Lord and make cultivating unity with your spouse a priority in prayer. Jesus prayed for unity, and so should we. Maybe each of you should have someone praying for you and holding you accountable in working on it. Make sure it isn't someone who will always take your side and let you take the easy way out. It should be someone who will speak the truth to you and encourage you to keep making the hard choices and who will remind you of the blessings and rewards of following God's methods and His commands. Right, and you also need to pray for and practice selflessness. Unity with your spouse means giving up having things your way all the time. That's the practical side of Philippians 2 when it says to consider others more significant than yourselves and to look out for the interest of others. Cultivating unity in your relationship has to mean more important to you than getting your own way. Consider Jesus' example. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. If the God of the universe could give up his rights for our sakes, we should be more than willing to do the same for him and for our spouse. That's called sacrifice, and is certainly no more than we owe to our Savior. And then we add humility. That's another part of Philippians 2. You have to be willing to admit that you're not always right, and maybe not even often right. And you don't deserve always to have things your way. We've said that a number of times uh, in this episode. That's a lie of our society that we deserve to have and do anything we want without anyone telling us otherwise. Look around you and see where that philosophy has led our culture. The senseless violence, the hatred, the complete lack of unity in our country are a direct result of everyone thinking that they're right and deserve to have things the way that they want them and they try to force that. I believe if we had practiced sacrifice and selflessness in our family relationships that our society wouldn't be in a place of chaos and disharmony that we see now. Start in your home and your marriage to be the example that our world needs. Once you've committed to working on unity, practicing selflessness and humility, you need to listen to your spouse and understand their viewpoint on the issue. We talked about how to really listen in an earlier episode, and you need to communicate with your spouse so they understand where you are coming from. You might also want to get an objective opinion on the issue from someone the two of you trust. Then you need to find a compromise in which you each give up some of what you want out of consideration and love for the other. And sometimes one of you will have to just decide to give preference to the other in that situation and let them have their way. 
You both need to realize that a compromise means you both commit to abide by whatever you agree on in that case. There should be no resentment or continued conflict over the issue because you worked on the compromise until you were able to come to an agreement on it. Next, you may need to develop a plan to put the compromise into action. So let's say the conflict was over who's going to take out the trash and you agree to make it a shared responsibility. Your plan could be that you would alternate each day who takes it out, or maybe it's the wife's job in July and the husband's in August. Make a plan on how to implement the compromise, or there's going to be more conflict over it later. Now, conflict over taking out the trash is petty. We hope that as you grow in your relationship, something like that would never come up, because in the little things, we should certainly just be willing to serve our spouse. The key is to take an issue that was an argument and divided you and turn it into a way to love each other and agree on a specific solution. Great. Well, let me pray. Uh, Father, I just pray, Lord, as uh, each couple is listening to this, that you would help them to see this whole process of resolving conflict and that they would be able to get to the place where they are able to reach an agreement through sacrifice, through humility, through listening, and all these different uh, things that we've talked about, Father, and that the result of that would that would be that you are honored through their marriage relationship and other people would see that. And we just ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have questions or comments, I encourage you to email us at marriedbydesign01 at gmail.com. And we also encourage you to share right now with somebody this uh, podcast episode that would be an encouragement to them and to s- subscribe. Well, next week on Married by Design, we're going to be starting a new series. It's entitled Us Versus 2020. We're going to be looking at the common challenges that we face right now as couples during the coronavirus and all the other things that are going on in this world and how, as a couple, we can work through these things and thrive instead of just survive during this time. That's what we'll be looking at next time on Married by Design.